Welcome to Founders Unfiltered by a junior VC. We are your hosts, Mazin and Aviral. Aviral, how do you sell enterprise software? Software itself is such a new category that the sales models are just being discovered and invented. Um, the original historical way of selling software was you sell to a key decision maker on the tech side, right? It could be a CTO, CIO, or even a business owner. Uh, I think over time, this has kind of changed. There's actually a very interesting blog post about identifying the kind of customer you have. Is it a rabbit? Is it an insect? Is it an elephant, right? Which is basically the size of the client. And I think as we are seeing the internet getting adopted more rapidly all across the world, marketing-led models for enterprise software have increased. You know, you, you can think of so many off the top of your head. You have Dropbox, you have Asana, MailChimp. Um, and, you know, these are more like the rabbit slash deer size businesses. But if you have something like an elephant size business, which is a 100K or 200K a year kind of contract bigger than that, then you need like a sales team. So most companies that are selling that size of contract values, they will have an assisted sales team, which is, you know, you have a marketing led model, which gets you leads and then you get a salesperson to do it. So it's a very interesting time uh, if you're building enterprise software. There are so many models out there, but, you know, I'm seeing a drift towards marketing-led models uh, in general because they are more effective and efficient. In this week's episode of Founders Unfiltered, we talked to Ashish about how he found the right customer segment and sales model for his business, Posit. Ashish started tinkering with business ideas from a young age. He actually built his first website when he was in the 10th grade. In college, he kept toying with ideas and code, and that led to his first startup, providing telecom-based value-added services, which he exited in 2011. He then started a restaurant with a friend, and that exposed him to a lot of the problems in managing a restaurant. The insight led him to create Possist, a cloud-based platform for restaurants. What was challenging and took time for Ashish to decode was the restaurant market itself. He experimented with different pricing models, Uh, and eventually found the right customer segment. Over time, Possist has emerged as a leading point-of-sales tech company, and today it serves over 8,000 clients across 22 countries. Join us to learn how Ashish built and grew Possist without raising any external funding. Hi, Ashish. Thank you so much for taking our time to speak to us. Really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks, Avril. I think we'd love to understand a little bit about your journey. Rewind way back, maybe like late 2000s, just before 2010. You know, what were you working on at that point of time? How did it play out? I think it was related to business schools and not going to one, but actually starting Mm -hmm. one. So talk us through that and, you know, how your journey started there and how it has really influenced what you're doing today. Back in 1999, 2000, when I was still in school, I booked my first domain, youthhangama.com. I wanted to beat yahoo.com. I built a full marketing plan how to beat Yahoo. I called a couple of uh, web development companies. In those days, um, you know, Gurgaon had uh, set up so many new web development shops. And uh, I remember I, in my summer holidays, uh, I used to read this magazine called Chip. 
and that was a new magazine with a CD in those days. You know, I called some of those people home to meet me because I wanted to set up an email server, and those guys were really excited. Imagine any of our sales guys at Posses, you know, get a call from a tenth grader saying, "I have a hundred restaurant chain." I'm sure this guy will be elated, and he'll go to the meeting with a very different mindset. I think this. I saw that guy coming to my home and. and got shocked when he discovered that i'm a 10th grader and then i had to make my dad sit in that meeting that meeting did not go anywhere my dad realized that i'm a hard nut to crack so he sponsored a domain name for 2 years and some web space he ended up spending some 32000 rupees uh, back in back in 2000 where domain names used to come very very costly i remember domain name was 8000 rupees per year fast forward uh, i was in computer science engineering and so second year onwards i started looking for you know what is it that i can do uh, i always wanted to start my own company so point telling you back in 2000 what the plan was i was actually following the same plan in 2005 i started toying with different ideas i wanted to figure out can i make money by writing code can i sell something to people which i make which i create if that is true then i will figure out a way to multiply it that was the concept kept on toying with couple of things in 2004 i kept on looking for people who can be my co-founders partners and these are the days when you know startups are not cool at all in fact startup is not even a word which you talk about so in 2005 we stumbled upon this idea for telecom the basic idea was that let's do something over transactional sms information sms and that very quickly i think worked out we we started a telecom value added services company we were a sms based uh, services company so we were deploying SMS gateways on the telecom operators at their backend, and from 2005, while I was still in third year, you know, continued with that. You know, graduated college, hiring uh, two of my batchmates by the by 2007. That was a little triumphant those days, at least uh, for the fact that you are not only making it, you're you're making it enough that you can also hire a few people. Uh, in 2011, we exited that company. I always had this curiosity. I want to know how different businesses work. That curiosity has not really, you know, gone down. Probably I've just become a little saner with respect to not saying yes to everything and not doing everything. But in those days, I was doing random stuff. For example, in 2007, I ended up uh, setting up a water plant in partnership with a with an army guy. Uh, reason. i thought that okay bislery is is beatable bislery was like a great brand in india and in a similar vein we did a restaurant that was end of 2010 early 11 we ended up investing in a restaurant while i was running the telecom company but in those days that was a disaster from restaurant we basically ended up to solve that mistake we ended up building the tech uh, to help ourselves which then eventually converted to possessed which is what we do today got it we'd actually love to understand what happened during the restaurant time because there is some very interesting story maybe we can spend some time there and then we can talk about persist there was a friend of mine who had his own family business and his his entire agenda in life was to escape uh, his family business so he used to bring all these uh, brochures from uh, taco bell kfc pizza hut mcdonald's and he used to ask he hey let's let's open a restaurant let's invest in a restaurant uh, one day uh, when he was really really serious and he was already had eaten my head for a couple of months I gave him some gyan. I said, "I said, why are you taking this McDonald's KFC franchise? You will not learn anything. You will become a financial investor only. You better invest in real estate if you want to be a financial investor. If you really want to learn how to run a restaurant, why don't you open your own?" And I gave him like a good one, one and a half hour gyan. He took that gyan and he said, "All right, will you partner?" And I was zapped. I was like, "Wow!" But this is my own idea. <laughs> I, I can't say no to myself. So I said, "Sure." And when something wrong is about to happen, the entire universe conspires to make it happen. and i think from the day we were chatting about this 
30th day of that, we were at the opening of our restaurant. So this was all blazing fast. It was so fast that in the next three days, we got the location, we locked the lease, we got a consultant who was basically doing the turnkey for us. I almost forgot to tell my family. Uh, so fifth day, it dawned on me that, hey, I need to also tell my parents that we are doing this. So actually, I took my parents to the opening of the restaurant. Uh, and, and my mom was actually partly happy, partly hysterical. She actually thought that there's something wrong with our telecom company. So she said, what happened to your business? I said, no, no, everything is fine. She said, then why will you open a restaurant? I said, this is like a side business. And she was like, who will run this? And I was like, you, you have to really take a chill pill. I'm just trying to tell you that it was so sudden and it was so not well thought. All of the ingredients just, just came together. Now, as soon as we entered the restaurant, that was quite amazing because we thought, I mean, we were very, very clear that we are not going to sit on it. We are the, the, the ones who are going to run it. We had this consultant who was doing the turnkey and the hand-holding for us for next six months. So he, this consultant was supposed to run the restaurant for six months for us. And, um, and then came the world domination plan. Uh, after first month, we posted profit. I was super shocked. I was like, wow. I mean, nobody for so many years told me that restaurant is such a great business. You post profit in month one. Uh, we are not used to, you know, such math. We are used to first month being slow. And then within 12 months, if you break even, you are, you, you know, you, you've really achieved something, uh, uh, that, that kind of logic. While that was happening, you know, we, we told uh, this consultant that, okay, we are going to give you uh, money for one outlet each month make a plan for opening 12 stores in Delhi. Uh, he got a map of Delhi. We started putting in pins, which areas, what, you know, how to do that, etc. And as this, you know, started happening, uh, you know, suddenly our mentally, our stakes were very, very high in the business. And I started looking into it. Like both me and Sakshi started taking active interest in the operations, in the numbers. And we started spending almost two hours every evening. And then one day we realized that there were a lot of irregularities. There were a lot of discrepancies that led to, horror story of that so much pilferage and so much theft is there in the restaurants by the staff. Don't you see these play cards that, you know, at the restaurants would say, Hey, if you don't get the bill, your bill, your food is free. If you don't get the bill, please call us on this number, etc. You know, if you think about the gravity of that statement, a brand has just declared that my staff, my team is not reliable. Can you be vigilant on my behalf as a customer? It's a pretty solid problem. It's a rampant problem. And you see like some of the top brands, you know, putting those placards. We came face to face with that reality. Uh, when we started digging deeper, we figured that, okay, this restaurant was cutting us left, right, center. He actually took kickbacks from all the existing suppliers, all the suppliers who basically built the restaurant. So one day I basically kicked the consultant out and we immediately started looking deeper into the shit inside the restaurant operations, especially in India. This is the experience I had here, your local authorities, your local, uh, you know, local people who deal with you, given that your restaurant is on a high street, you're vulnerable, you're vulnerable to them, right? you, you need to always protect yourself from, from way too many things. This was a shocking re realization, shocking to the point that within first three months, we went through strikes within the uh, restaurant staff, because we pulled up someone for not doing his job right. And, you know, these guys used to send a message saying, Kal restaurant if, if you don't say sorry. So we went through that, we fixed it. We figured that, okay, you know, how to fix some of these things. I can, I can tell you one anecdote. We, we realized that a lot of other restaurant owners, when I went to them asking, you know, how do you solve this problem? They're all the kitchen stuff, ganging up, all of that. And he said, oh, these guys, uh, you know, don't take any panga from them. Just make sure there's one leader. You talk to him, listen to him. Uh, do everything around that 
and there is no point fighting with them. And one day I realized that, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. And, you know, what I did is I called the local police and I told them that I want all my, you know, staff to be police verified. I'll tell you the impact it had. Five people quit next morning. The rest of them never gave me any trouble. So I realized that suddenly all of these people, and I also declared to all of them that, guys, don't do bad stuff. If you want to leave the job, that is okay. But if you do anything wrong, uh, you know, we are, we are going to make sure that you're behind bars. This was something which as a tech entrepreneur, I could have never realized or learned. You know, I was not even able to understand why two humans will not understand this automatically. But as I said, by the way, huh, it's not only those people who are bad. Industry has really done wrong to people in general. Like in, in the restaurants, there's a lot of exploitation. So dealing with restaurant was tough. Wow. Okay. So talk us through what you do at Posist. Would love to understand the business and what problem you're actually solving. Yeah, so Possist is a restaurant tech company. We started as a point of sale solution company. That's where we derive our name from. Any place where billing happens, where transaction happens is called point of sale. You know, it can be your gas station, it can be your grocery stores, apparel, etc. And, uh, and as well as the restaurants. And the industry term, the short for it is POS. So POS systems are basically billing systems. See, we started as a billing system for our restaurants version of this product was built by two engineers in my telecom team. So I just pulled them out and said, Hey, can we make a web version of, you know, a billing system? And uh, we were challenging all that previous restaurant owners was doing. We were not biased. So we built this first version on the web. I was actually tired of restaurant staff breaking down the system because they did not want to use the billing because they wanted to take the money out. I wanted a system which is browser-based, no installation, nothing. If even if hardware conks off, they should be able to, you know, switch another hardware and start. And this is very, very important because this became the foundation of our product. Till today, by the way, this is the hero, you know, problem we solve for the industry, and I'll and I'll touch upon that. Today, what we do at Possist is we are a 14 product suite which takes care of entire operations life cycle of a restaurant, right from your booking, table reservation, to your point of sale system, your front of the house operations, uh, your warehousing, your procurement, vendor management. Then it comes other side to the CRM, wherein we do detailed customer data, online ordering, mobile ordering, loyalty, and so on. This 14 product suite is a full-scale B2B you know, restaurant side. And in our journey, we basically started as a SMB product, which was what we were. So, so we understood how plight of single owner, single restaurants, but then we gradually went up the ladder, consolidated all our learning of the years and kept on changing our segment to a higher one. So we started from that, we started doing five store, 10 store chains, then we started doing large restaurant bars and fine dines. We had to develop, you know, different solutions for them, much beyond what we understood at our own restaurant. And then we went to large enterprise space, wherein today we work with likes of Taco Bell, Nando's, Carl's Jr., Jamie's Italian, and so on. I think it's a good point to transition a bit more into our topic, which is understanding the market that you're operating in. And so I believe when you started POSIS, you were initially charging for your first customer, at least you charge an upfront fee and then an annual maintenance fee versus the typical SaaS model. And I think when you sort of discovered that SaaS model, you tried it out, but it didn't really work. So can you tell us a bit more about that? We started as a perpetual license, uh, you know, sort of model, the old way of selling software. I remember we used to charge some 40,000 rupees per store one time and then some 6,000 rupees per annum. And one day, you know, I was sitting with uh, Samir Goglani of Morpheus. Morpheus was one of the first accelerators in India. And he said, hey, why don't you do SaaS? I said, what is SaaS? 
He said, you know, you can actually do an annual same price, but a much lower ticket size. So your friction will go down. You'll be able to sign up more customers. I said, okay, this sounds interesting, but how will the economics work? And I think, you know, it's very important for me to stress on this piece. I come from the mindset that your business should always make money for you. If your business is not really spinning money for you, then probably you, you won't make it nicely. And and I think uh, cash flow is important. Profits are very, very important. You can do, you know, you can outspend, uh, you know, your, your own cash flows and, and profits by taking external capital. But that should be done for the areas which are there to develop the business. I said, okay, economics have to work right. I don't mind doing it, but I won't just discount the price. Uh, I don't agree with that. So he gave me a very quick thing. He said, okay, what's your LTV? I said, seven years. Restaurant POS is something which is hard to get in. But once you are in, you won't be out easily. So he said, okay, seven years. How much money will you make with the current model in seven years? I said, okay, 40,000 plus six into six. So 40 plus 36, somewhere around 76,000. He said, perfect. So in seven years, you'll be making 11,000 rupees per year. He said, okay, why don't you make it 12,000 rupees per year? And that will translate to 1,000 rupees a month. And we said, okay, let's, let's do this. And we immediately introduced thousand rupees a month. And we thought that, you know, now life is going to be awesome. We are going to sign up hundred customers every day from today onwards. This month, 3000 customers, we are home. Interestingly, never happened. Funny enough, our sales guy, his quota used to be 12 customers a month. We just started, this was early, early days. And these 12 customers a month, even if, if you understand the math, even if he was hitting, let's say 10 customers a month, we were getting four lakhs in revenue. And our team's overall expense was 3.5 lakhs per month. Uh, This was probably January of 12. Now, for him to still make sense out of this new thousand rupees thing, he had to sign up 350 customers a month for us to make sense out of our our expenses. And that, of course, never happened. So next month with thousand rupees a month, he signed up 16 customers. That's it. And we realized that he got 16,000 rupees instead of 4 lakh rupees this month. And then when we back to Samir and we asked that, okay, who's going to fill up the void uh, up to 3.5 lakh. So that was my moment of, you know, truth for SaaS that, okay, uh, just don't do it for the sake of it. So what we did is we did not ditch the SaaS. I think the only thing which I loved about SaaS as a fact was that 12,000 rupees per annum was still making sense because at the LTV, I was still making, you know, the right kind of money. And I believed in that LTV. It also made me feel that, okay, I have more responsibility towards maintaining or retaining this customer for the next seven years. Probably this is going to bring a lot of you know, discipline to the business itself. So yeah, so, so net-net, we started with 12,000 rupees per annum, uh, one shot for the year, annual payments back in 2012. In 2013 and 14, we introduced another module, uh, which was this backend inventory control piece. Uh, we made it another 12,000. So, so now we had two plans. One was 12,000, one was 24,000. We actually realized this very interesting thing that we were market creators and why we were the creators were because one is that technology was not a must-have for the restaurant. So it was a good to have. Even if you're a fine dining restaurant and you give a handwritten bill, it was it was absolutely okay. Uh, people were not really caring about anything. Second is that restaurants who already had some sort of point of sale system, which was a legacy system, which was installed in their machines, was working fine actually. So technically, there was no need to replace billing at the premises unless somebody is also subscribing to the same problems as me, uh, the restaurant owner. While a restaurant owner who's running a restaurant for 10 years, a single restaurant doing well, 
these concepts sounded extremely alien to them. So I'll, I've had these conversations. I remember there was this bakery and a sweet shop, like about a large one in RK Puram in Delhi. Very, very popular one. Today, they are our customers. But uh, I remember having this conversation with uh, the owner's son and the owner in 2012, wherein we sold the product to the son. And then dad discovered, son is trying to replace papa with boss. But dad, of course, went furious. He called our sales guy. He abused him, saying, Bhai sahab, take your boss back. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, we are not interested. You know, my sales guy made me talk to the, that, that owner. I you know, tried to not convince him, but to understand what's wrong with our product. And, and this guy said, Ashish, there is nothing wrong with your product. But the fact is, I have not even seen your product. And the other fact is that I'm not interested in what, looking at your product. It is useless for me. I sit at the restaurant 12 hours. So I said, sir, but if you will use our product, you will not have to sit at the restaurant for 12 hours. And then he asked me that very important existential question. He said, Ashish, if I will not sit at the restaurant for 12 hours, what will I do? I was like, wow. I was like, you are right, actually. And I asked him to pass on the phone to my sales guy who was standing like in front of him thinking that I will do some magic and retain the customer. And I, I called Alok and I said, uh, he's right. You know, with folded hands, uh, say sorry say thank you, uh, refund his money. And uh, we'll definitely make him a customer some other day. But today is not the day. And when he came back, I was like, wow, man, this is this is real. Like his, his point was right. I mean, if he does not really know what to save time for, then why am I saving his time? And for me, that was a lesson. And we, we implemented that. We immediately realized that we are not going to sell to anyone who is not in dearth of time. And this is something which I now tell a lot of fellow entrepreneurs, uh, the new ones, as well as the existing ones that don't solve the time and efficiency problem in the countries where you have abundance of it. In India, don't solve time and efficiency problems, solve money problem. So, so this was a realization. And I can tell you that the way we put it to use was in 2012, 13, 14, we did not sign up anyone. I mean, 90% of our customers were first time restaurant owners or a new restaurant which was opening, or somebody who was aspiring to be a chain. Anybody who was not lying in these three categories of qualification was not making to the sale because anyway, they will not buy. So we were not wasting our time with them. So we had very, very clear qualifying questions. And my sales cycle reduced actually from six months to 20 days. And, um, you know, from there, I think 2012, 13, 14, I remember we had 750 plus restaurants signed up with us. We kind of were out of gravity, like in a way we were getting these social accolades and check boxes done. But, uh, but when I was doing the math, if you think about it, 750 customers at thousand rupees a month, technically like 12,000 rupees per year uh, was not really making any money for us. That was barely seven, eight lakhs a month. I was like, wow, we are not going to make money in 200 years. Uh, funny part about 12,000 rupees is that you multiply it with any large number that becomes a small number. And, and that realization hit very, very hard. I remember I was, I was talking to somebody in US. I went to, I went on a tour to San Francisco and I met somebody who said, oh, so what do you do? And I was, I was basically explaining and I said, uh, we've got thousand plus customers on, on our product. And I remember that that guy fell off his chair. He was like, wow, thousand. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, uh, this is too much respect. So I, I got a lot of respect and I did not even realize, you know, till half an hour into the conversation, this guy introduced me to somebody else saying, oh, meet Ashi. She runs the largest boss company in India. These guys are big. These guys have thousands of customers and already making millions in revenue. I was like, sorry, take that back. And that's when I realized when you tell somebody in US, you have thousand plus customers, they multiply it by $2,000. And I was like, wow. And then I had to you know, burst his bubble saying, oh, you, you need to just multiply it by 
$150. And then he's like, oh, so that entire, entire respect converted to sympathy. So, uh, so 2014 and 15 was the time for us uh, for introspection on that your product is doing well. You've created a category where you are the only one who's not only teaching, evangelizing or, or educating people on point of sale system, but you are educating them on a cloud-based point of sale system. So we used to start our pitch at why do you need any product for that matter? And why do you need to go with the cloud? We told people what's the cloud, what's cloud, why data should reside at our side why it should be on a browser, why they should allow us to have control over their life and then utility of the pause and then utility of the data, which what can do it to their life. Uh, 2015, we rewrote our entire product from scratch. Product was doing absolutely fine. In fact, most of our team internally also thought that I've gone crazy because I, I asked for a rewrite. But what I realized is value of software products lies in architecture. The, the value is, un, I mean, logged inside the architecture. It's not in the features. Anybody can build feature. The curse of technology is that you can patch up any kind of thing and it works. The problem is it doesn't scale. So we realized that we started in 2012 with our restaurant as the use case and we kept on patching our understanding up and now it's a like it's kind of becoming a hill but our foundation is still that single restaurant foundation so if you start you know doing chains uh, you probably can make it work, but it won't scale the way you think it should scale. 2015, we hired a parallel team and made them rewrite the entire architecture. 2016, Jan is when we relaunched like the POSIS 2.0 version. And this was an enterprise first version. This was built with chains in mind. And we still were serving, you know, the bottom of the market customers. But, uh, but we at least started going towards mid-market and we started uh, knocking the doors at McDonald's uh, of the world. And this was also the time when we changed our pricing. So our 12 to 24,000 rupees pricing became 1.2 to 3.5 lakh per year per restaurant. This was, this was not only a relief, this was relief in many ways, you know, because one complaint which we saw across the board, which was not with us, fortunately, but we could always see that there were certain customers who used to push us beyond a certain point where we also used to question that, that you do realize you're paying only 12,000 rupees, right? And that used to also baffle us, by the way, because we used to wonder that, you know, this guy is willing to, I mean, he's asking for the right things, just that we cannot afford them and we cannot afford the time, you know, to be spent on it. But I think we reversed it immediately. We realized that, okay, there is less value in saying no to a demanding customer, not charging him than actually charging him for the right thing. Uh, 2016-17, to be honest, that went very, very successful. You know, 16-17, we cracked a lot of mid-market and large enterprises in India. So from your Dabur, Light Bite Foods, which is your Punjab Grill, Fresco, Zambar, Sanjeev Kapoor restaurant chain, Indigo Delhi. And uh, within that period, in 16-17, we also realized that, wow, India does not have a depth for large enterprise. And that's when we realized that, okay, you know, if we are building the A-quality product, if you're trying to talk to the high stakes people, why don't go to different other geographies and look for that A quality customer? So April of 17 is when I flew out of the country for the first time for the business purpose for, for exploring, you know, uh, what's happening. Actually, end of 16 is when we started going to different markets, especially in, in our case, it was Dubai and Singapore. And we started going on the ground, understanding what's happening, understanding the ecosystem. Mid of 17 is when we actually started developing business in, in Dubai and Singapore. And then end of 17, this exploration went, went wild. We went to New York, San Francisco, Mexico City, Saudi, South Africa. And we started signing up customers all over. So for each country, a customer sign up became like a POC for us. And uh, if that proof of concept doesn't scale, it doesn't make sense. 
So today we have uh, you know 8,000 plus restaurants who work with us in 22 countries, and uh, we have our on-ground team operations in Dubai, uh, Bangkok, Singapore, Mexico City, and New York. It's an amazing story and a lot of insights baked into it. You know, kind of diving a bit more into that, wanted to understand what do your competitors now in this enterprise space look like? Who are you competing with? I mean, I think at a personal level, we are pretty oblivious of competition because we are extremely customer focused. And however cliched that might be for most of the you know product companies, but I think uh, if you're really listening to your customer enough, all other noise you know, almost drowns in it because your customer is continuously telling you stuff. They're continuously complaining, suggesting, giving an idea, giving an advice, asking for help, begging. Uh, There is so much noise customer makes that you don't need to worry about competition at all. Uh, That said, uh, for us in early days, in earliest days, actually, you know, our biggest competition was every restaurant owner's nephew who was an engineer and who knew how to code. So I think one of the biggest threat we always had was from that nephew who was going to write the software for this restaurant owner. And he used to threaten us saying, oh, my nephew is an engineer. He's going to make a billing software for me. And that was true because I can tell you that there are 50 plus point of sale solution companies in India right now. And I think we barely have seven or eight of them on our radar, like who, who we actually know. But that is because it is actually fragmented by geography, by state, by city. From a restaurant's perspective, think about it. A restaurant is a hyper-local entity. A restaurant is a geographically challenged entity. Their entire problem and their entire good things, everything comes from three kilometer to five kilometer radius. Their vendors, their customers, their problems, everything comes from there. So they also want, like, you know, we are just one of the vendors for them. For restaurants, point of sale system is a commodity then we ideally should be, you know, near to you or, or your outlet should be serviceable, uh, you know, physically for them. So this notion continues even till day. Today, our competition is Oracle, uh, NCR and Microsoft. Uh, NCR is that uh, ATM, you know, company, one of the largest in the world. So all the three companies have a restaurant vertical. There are few regional large players, but we don't really term those companies as our competitors as well, because we're able to beat them like very, very quickly uh, just on the, the base, the core promise of the product itself. It's worth mentioning that we are not the cheaper Indian alternative to them. But majorly the way we unfortunately have developed Indian perception outside in the world and we have been fighting that perception. So I can I can speak about it. You know, as soon as you go as an Indian company, the great thing is that world bows down to you for your technical prowess and for being the mathematicians and the IT guys. But they don't really mean that in the costliest way. They mean that in the cheapest way. You are the cheaper alternative to everything European and American. And uh, we refused to do that. So today, when we compete with Oracle, NCR and Microsoft, we do it while being at par or costlier in, in most of the cases. We have lost deals because we were costlier. And we have also won deals because we were costlier. There was this one CEO one day, he called our VP of sales. And this guy called him out of the blue one day. This guy flew to Bombay and this was an Indian company. And in the meeting, as soon as it started, the CEO and the CIO were sitting and and they said, we don't want to buy from you. We called you because your quotation was higher than everyone. So while we have decided to give this deal to Microsoft this evening, the purchase order is being processed. I made a note six months back then I would love to meet you someday to ask you why the hell are you costlier? And this guy was zapped. He was like, he was like, wow, I never knew that we can score meetings like this. But sir, now that I'm here and I flew specifically for you, can we do a demo? He said, you have 30 minutes. That demo went on for three and a half hours. This guy was made to stay back in Bombay for next three days. And in next three days, you know, different teams went through three and a half, three and a half hour worth of demos. Fourth day, this guy had the PO in his hand. This was the fastest enterprise deal we cracked. 
understand i think that was a very helpful market landscape i think you know we just want to wrap up and ask the question we ask all our uh, guests and uh, basically is the reason why we call this founders unfiltered and so what's that one piece of unfiltered advice you got any time in your career or you know your experience which has stayed with you and has made a great impact and and what we are usually looking for is more you know brutal and direct versus nice advice a few years back i was in singapore i called a friend of mine who was a vc and uh, i said hey let's have drinks evening and he said no 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 i have this deal going on i am chock block for next two days and he said no no dude i'm i'm going to make it up to you i said it's okay chill relax don't worry he said no 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 if you are free i'm going to make you meet some awesome guys i said yeah sure i'm open to meet anyone and he introduced me to a friend of his and he said why don't you meet him why don't you call him and catch up with him this is a great guy he's in pe industry he may not be of direct interest to you but he's a great guy to know in singapore i said sure i called that guy uh, we had a half an hour convo random and this guy said ashish you know what i think you should meet my dad he said he has been actually one of the earliest vcs in india he set up some of the top funds you know today and uh, he moved on you know to much larger roles later on he retired last year and he's going to give you some valuable feedback advice as well as help and i had no idea who am i meeting why am i meeting him i basically walked into this you know beautiful apartment in singapore somebody opened the door led me to the living room and this there's this old gentleman sitting and um, very stiff body language um, and as soon as i sat down he said you're ashish i said yes all right uh, so i already looked up your company and uh, your friend uh, who introduced you to my son he also sent me uh, some reading material on your company so this guy said i've made some notes i have some questions who is your customer i said restaurants he said no come on don't be a fool what kind of restaurant uh, so i very triumphantly said every restaurant on the street is my customer he nodded his head and he said hmm and he put his notepad upside down sat back in the sofa relaxed and he said ashish uh, you're never going to succeed this is really crushing and i said uncle i didn't understand he said well uh, okay your wife is your co-founder got it well you know what you two will make uh, money for yourself and you two will do something good for yourself but uh, hey first of all never raise venture capital because you will screw them up two don't even raise any capital from anyone because i don't think you'll be able to deliver on that promise ever and also uh, try and sell this company off uh, as soon as possible because you're going to fail and uh, he said that with a straight straight face then i asked him uncle now that you have put me in this problem can you also tell me the solution uh, because i'm seriously not able to understand what are you saying so and this is here where the advice came he said ashish if everybody is your customer technically it's less about your versatility and it's more about the fact that you have no idea who's your customer and that is exactly why everybody looks like your customer until and unless you are able to tell me very very clearly that a restaurant at a certain high street a certain number of restaurant covers number of seats a certain revenue unless you are able to define your customer persona by that you will never succeed because you will never scale you will continue to build business you will continue to sign up customers don't confuse that with scale you will never be able to scale scale can only happen when you know one segment which you can define to the t and you can go finding people matching that persona everywhere in the world and you sign up and i argued i said i said but then what about the rest of the restaurants in the world he said that's not your problem that's exactly my point is what what is your business what business are you in 
I said, helping restaurants run their operation. He said, no, that sounds like an NGO plan. That sounds like philanthropy. You are in the business of build scaling a restaurant tech company. So if you are not able to scale, you're a failure. And the only way you scale is by knowing who your customer is. Ashish, you don't know who's your customer. So if you're not able to figure that out, you know, my best wishes. But if you are able to figure out, my promise is that you will, you will actually go places. And uh, in all honesty, I did not understand that advice. But I can tell you that that advice was, was really, really heavy. I was really crushed. But guys, what I can tell you is that however brutal this was, I owe whatever little success it sounds like today to that one day. I came back. I did not tell this to Sakshi for next seven, eight days because I was still processing it. I started drawing different personas. I started segmenting my own customer base hard. And, you know, when I was really, you know, not able to understand what to do, then I looked back and saw which segments have really worked out very well for us. What are the segments in which we have automatically scaled? For example, what is one persona which I can apply to 200 restaurants out of my 1500 by then? So, so, and when I started looking at it, I could clearly see a pattern. There was a very clear pattern. There were certain segments which were really working out for us. And I was like, wow, why are we wasting our time at, you know, the ones which are not working out or which are one of its kind? One of its kind is not a problem. And I think uh, since that day, we started saying no to a lot of customers. We started saying no to a lot of personas. And, um, and I think today we, are, we have gone narrower and narrower. I think I can tell you more about who is not my customer than who is my customer today. And that one thing itself has brought solid scale, uh, you know, for us and solid scale possibilities for us. That's amazing. Thanks a lot for sharing that very, very helpful advice. Thank you so much, Ashish, for taking our time to speak to us. Thank you so much for tuning in to Founders Unfiltered. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join us next week for another episode of AJVC Unfiltered, where we talk about our latest piece 